Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. And hello, Mike. How are you today? Hey, what's up, Matt? What's going on? Not too much. We're getting back to our regular week to week here. We are finally feel like we're back in the flow. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit. It has been a bit. And we had a couple episodes talking about one of the greatest games that came upon us this year, the Tears of the yeah. Kingdom. Yeah. And now we are back to talk about a game that's a few years before Tears of the Kingdom, Mike. Yeah, yeah. We're going back almost almost 30 years here in 1995. So let's go for it. Yeah, 1995. So a mid-90s game and a venture that we wanted to go on because not only do we not talk about enough PC games or Mac games, this was one that has a lot of not controversy. It's known, notoriety. It's a franchise. This has all the things you want in a Hall of Fame game, Mike. Yeah, I do think so. I think it's one of the premier games of the 90s. It was definitely very indicative of what was going on in the PC space. And Matt, as we said off mic, when people think about this series in its infancy, I think this is typically the game people think of before thinking of the original. And we're talking about Doom 2, uh, which is the 1995 follow-up from id Software, the follow-up to Doom. Which Doom, I guess, was still kind of a freeware game. Yeah. Whereas Doom 2 was kind of more of a fully realized retail game. And even when I think about, like, obviously, Doom has the iconic cover with, I, I guess, we're calling him the Doom Slayer now, like in the center on top of like a rock shooting all those demons and stuff. Doom 2 has the cover I remember most as a kid with whoever. The gunman is shooting at one of those big demons that essentially has a gun for an arm with the uh, the newly added sh- super shotgun in Doom 2. And Doom is, is Doom was great. We talked about Doom earlier on the run of podcast. And Doom 2, it's weird. I don't think that Doom 2 is all that different than the original Doom. Obviously, the theming's a little different. Doom 2 is referred to as Hell on Earth, right? Where I gather the, the story of it is that the 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 hell is no longer on Mars. It's, it's on Earth. And then you essentially assume the role of the Doom guy and you find the portal to Earth, which was opened by all the demons. And then you kind of have to kill all demons on Earth. Yeah, I mean, the plot... <laughs> It's not what you play this game for. I mean, video games, when people make fun of video games saying they're not art, they're not story, they're not plot, they're probably looking at things like Doom and saying, all right, this is just an adrenaline rush of action. And and that's fine, Mike. People don't necessarily play this game, Doom 2 after Doom 1, and say, I can't wait to see what happened to Doom Slayer next. Yeah, they just want to shoot stuff. And they want to kill stuff and they want to hear that like heavy metal music pumping in the background and they want to pump the shotgun and use the chainsaw and and do all those things. So Doom 2 is, is still very much, I don't know if I want to say rudimentary because at the time it wasn't, but it's very much still the the beginnings of the first person shooter, 
right? I was playing Doom 2 a few days ago. I bought it on Steam. It was five bucks, which is crazy. And I was playing it a few days ago. And it's one of those things where it's like, after being kind of trained on modern first-person shooters for so long, it's so weird to go back and play a game like Doom, which I think can fully be played just using the keyboard. I don't even know if you need to use the mouse. But at the same time, if you do use the mouse, you can't look up and down. There's right? no vertical aiming, as they There's call no, it. All you do is strafe, and and pretty much you can shoot anything once your crosshairs light up red. And it's super simple, and it takes a minute for you as the player to kind of have to unlearn everything that you've learned for the last 30 years, because games don't, even Doom doesn't do that anymore. When you're playing Doom or or Doom Eternal, right, those play like modern first-person shooters, and they're really, really good games. But Doom 2 is kind of the definition of the iterative sequel, right? It came out less than a year later. So that means Doom was still selling, right? The original Doom. It's a gory, crazy game. It was made in the same engine. So they got to work on this probably immediately, almost as though it were more levels for the original Doom. And you're looking at the same screen, right? You're looking at the same character portrait for the most part. Yeah, the HUD uh, that we all know is unchanged. I mean, the HUD, ammo, health, armor, picture of the Doom Slayer, that's completely unchanged. Yeah, it's 100% the same. Like, they didn't even, even go for it. Like, the only thing that changes, I guess, are some of the weapons and some of the enemies. Yeah. When you're, and where you're fighting. But, I mean, Earth in this game looks a whole lot like Mars did in, <laughs> in, in the original Doom. So that's not me, like, taking a shot at it. It's clear that they just, they had it. They had a thing that worked. They knew what they were doing when they wanted to go full retail release with it. They were like, let's just make this a sequel. Let's bump up the insanity just a little bit more. Let's bump up the violence just a little bit more. Let's give them a couple of new weapons and let's make the levels a little larger. Yeah. And then it's, it's like run. It's almost like a galaxy two to galaxy one situation where yeah. they had more ideas. They said we can make these level levels bigger and they had more in the tank and it doesn't do anything that drastically too much changes the original game so much. It doesn't reinvent the formula. Yeah. But it does for anyone that played Doom, Doom 2 felt fresh. It still felt like there was still a lot left in the tank. Yeah, absolutely. And being that this is a 94 game, right? It's it's still on the cutting edge in terms of PC, in yeah. terms of what games are doing at this time. Id Software doesn't get enough credit for being as kind of ahead of the curve and as ingenious as they were in the 90s. I mean, no one was making games like this. Now, after the success of games like Wolfenstein and Doom, you would see a lot more games like this. Even from it, right? You would see games like Quake, and but you'd see other first-person shooters that showed up, games like Descent, games like... Soldier of Fortune, I know, was yeah, it Unreal yeah. Tournament... Unreal Tournament, Hexen. Hexen. Uh, there was there was a whole lot of games that just kind of took this. Marathon, we would have sure. from the folks over at Bungie. I don't know if you mentioned Half-Life already. I mean, Half-Life was a little later, but yep. still, like this was like the early days of getting the first-person shooter to work. And Doom kind of 
blew the door open, right? Oh, they totally. kind of kicked the door open and and obviously the first person shooter is still with us. And I think while Doom gets all the credit, 1993's Doom, Doom 2 might have been the game that really got it. Like It seems like the sequel was the one that kind of really just solidified it as a as an important piece so that both games together are just incredibly important. I mean, you could play Doom 2 on everything. Doom 2 was on the it was in it was obviously on Microsoft DOS, it was on Mac, it was on PC 98 in Japan, it was on Sega Saturn and Game eventually Game Boy Advance. And it's also been re-released on a bunch of things. It was on the PlayStation. So it's just uh, it's everywhere. This game is everywhere, right? It's it was so accessible while it didn't come to like Super Nintendo and Genesis like Doom did, it's everywhere else. And you're talking about 94 on the cusp of the PlayStation releasing in 1995. Like, it's a pretty big deal if you get a new console like the PlayStation when that releases in, in 95. I think this is a launch title. It's pretty early Doom on. Doom is a launch title for the PS2, for the PlayStation. And that's a huge deal. Yeah, right. Mike, I think you're right. One of the things that really separates Doom 2 from Doom 1 is the accessibility. The first game, you had to order it either on the phone or oh, by mail order. I mean, that's how you would order the first game. This game being at a store, that's insane to us to think of. You can't, the accessibility of a game, you had to, you couldn't even buy it in a store. That's the difference, I think, that makes this game the game that you and me think of, when we think of Doom, the original, we think of Doom 2 more so than Doom 1 because of it's there were 2 million copies out there compared to the first one, maybe yeah. a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. No, you're right. You're 100% right. And yeah, just to confirm that, the PlayStation launched in America on September 9th, 1995, and Doom 2 releases on the, on the PlayStation. PlayStation in... Nine, also in 95, in 95 in, yeah in november of 95 oh so like so, a month after launch i mean so that's... If you, yeah so like if you had someone who was interested in this style of game this a perfect holiday gift for them so yeah this game was and i'm like, sure the port was fine i don't know specifically yeah, i don't know if yeah. you do but i'm sure this game translated fine it didn't yeah. rely on joysticks or anything like that it didn't and it was perfect and the the playstation ran a lot of this stuff really well. I mean, obviously there was probably loading. There's probably some loading issues, but the PlayStation was a pretty good place for this. I mean, I remember playing Final Doom on the PlayStation and really enjoying it. I remember playing games like Dark Forces and other games that came out around that time yep. on the original PlayStation. So, so yeah, I think it was a good place to play these games. I think the most interesting port, Mike, might be the GBA version that came out a few years later. Yeah, that's weird, right? It Doom is. The GBA, it doesn't seem like it should work. <laughs> but maybe it does. Maybe it's a game that works well. Maybe it maybe on the the GBA it wasn't I mean, they released Doom on the Super Nintendo. I'm not going to talk about how I'm going to get access to this, but I am going to try this within the next week just out of curiosity. You know, um, I, I, maybe if I just turn on my analog pocket. <laughs> here it is showing its, its weekly presence here on the podcast, this beautiful, beautiful piece of hardware. If I go to my if I go to my Game Boy Advance and I might have it 
I show, I show my pitiful amber neck compared to his beautiful analog pocket. And it's hey, like, man, listen, it's whatever like you showing do, a Toyota. Dude. It's like a guy showing his Toyota to someone driving a Ferrari. Hey, listen, first of all, <laughs> what can you do? I, I've, I've, this is what I've decided to spend my money on. And you know what? Your device that you're using is probably excellent. But oh, not only do I have Doom so 2, live on but the I pod, have Doom. Mike is going to see how Doom 2 loads on the GBA. And it's, it's loading up right now. It's loading. And we it's will see work. how this game. You know, you but, couldn't do this back on the P- it's PC. You had floppy disks or a CD-ROM. Oh, like, forget, so. forget, forget it. Forget it. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do this, uh, this, this kind of weird experiment live on, on, on you know, a podcast. Many a floppy disks, Mike. I don't know if you know. It took, I think, six disks. I remember those days. And it was crazy that you would have to like do all that. It was also crazy when you would do it with like CDs, but like CDs felt like you changed them less frequently. But I remember Riven, the sequel to Myst, Mm -hmm. having like something like six or eight CDs, probably because there's just so much, so much FMV on it. FMVs, yeah. That stuff took up a lot of space on CD-ROMs that had like 700 megabytes. It was like nothing. All right. So I'm going to tell you this, Matt. It doesn't look great on the GBA. Okay, so they had to make some sacrifices. That's what so, I wanted to know. You yeah. can't really see, but like... No, but I can. It, it looks yeah. like they made some sacrifices. This game, Doom 2 would not run on the same PC that Doom ran on. It actually needed some advancements. It needed some newer tech because of the bigger levels. So I'd be surprised if the GBA ran it all that well. Yeah, I mean, listen, man. If you're like looking for something to do and you want to play a game that you think you liked as a kid and you have a GBA and you're a big fan of doom maybe, but like it, the color ballots all weird. I bet when it came out, Mike, it was probably impressive because again, this experience on the GBA was probably pretty impressive at the time. It's hard oh, to go I think back so. to that. It's probably less impressive now because what handhelds do, we have switches and, and, and other and mobiles phones that I do mean, stuff 10,000 well, times better. Ultimately. I mean, that's what you could do now is just play doom two on switch. Right. Right, which is which is unheard of. This game, extremely mature. You talked about that, Mike. This had an yeah. M early in ESRB ratings, getting an M, ages 17 and up, which, again, I'm, shocking that it came to the GBA. Yeah, you know what, though? GBA was working in its own its own world, dude. It's like, true. Some of the, the Japanese GBA, games were very mature as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when we got to handhelds, it was free-for-all. Right. Because like, even if you look at like the Switches storefront and look at a lot of those games in there you're like oh they're okay. yeah, they're pushing the envelope yeah, and yeah you, we see yeah. the yoshis and the kirby's and the mario's advertised but if you go through that e-shop there's some filthy stuff on there oh there's some there's some there's some really 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 rough stuff <laughs> the uh, developers i think might be just as thirsty as, as the forums these days i think so i think you're right <laughs> i think they're all looking at whatever i'm not going to get too much further into it but yeah definitely but, give but up mike yeah. You said it. This game comes out 10 months after the original Doom. This Crazy. game is just pure FPS goodness. And something that I love is a game that really pushes Roman numerals. This is Doom 2. Not in the numbered sense, Mike. We got, you remember those big boxes for the PC oh, yeah. games? They were oh, these yeah. big boxes, probably a foot by like, maybe like 10 inches by a foot big. I mean, these things were these big boxes in the store. And the Doom 2 were like embossed letters that like you pushed your hand across the box and you felt the the emboss. It was really cool. These the and you said it earlier, just how iconic the artwork is on that cover. 
Oh, yeah. And we've lost a lot when it comes to video game packaging. Yeah. I miss it so very much. Video game packaging was always so cool and so special. And even when I worked in GameStop, it was starting. Sometimes you would buy a game because of that. And sometimes the game might not be that good, but you liked the cover of the box. You liked the back of the box. And that was enough reason to buy a game. No, absolutely. I mean, I know you shouldn't judge a game or a book by its cover, (laughs) but video games, you kind of can because they were, they were, if they were, you had to stand out and to stand out. If you had a good game, sometimes you had to have that in the marketing budget. I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Mike. Can you think of some of your favorite box art, box covers of video games? It could be, I'm thinking back to Super Nintendo, N64, regular NES, even PC. Are there games you recall that you just remembered loving the artwork on the box? Yeah, definitely. As a kid, a game that I think is terrible, but I love the box art was the Wolverine game on the NES. And that game is terrible, but the artwork, I don't know if it's Jim Lee, but its it looks similar to his style. And it's... I mean the the artwork on it, the cover art on it is 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 like right out of the comic books. It's like Wolverine in his orange and yellow suit diving at the screen. He's not wearing a mask, and it's got the, the it looks like a comic book cover. It looks like a comic book cover, and it's it's amazing. But the the game the game stinks. But the music's pretty good because it's by Jeff Fallon. The game is is really bad. It's funny um, you brought that one up, Mike. One of my favorite ones from that era is actually the Uncanny X Men game. Oh yeah is awful and equally terrible video game. I mean, it's it's almost as bad as the Silver Surfer game. Yeah. But the artwork, the cover, I loved it. I had to own the game because of that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely that. I, I still go back to, I, I love the simplicity of Super Mario Brothers 3. I think that's amazing. Just that bright, stark yellow. Now, Japan always got the better box art. Always. Always got the better box art, especially once we get into like N64 and GameCube. But the Famicom... And Super Nintendo box art on on uh, Japanese games is uh, is it had all different different shape to the box as well. Yeah, like absolutely. one I bet you liked was was Mega Man X. I just think the box art, great. You know, he just looks like we're not playing as a kid anymore. Look at my armor. Look at me, just kind of pumping, kind of flexing. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, Mega Man X is good too because it's like the first time in the Mega Man series where the character looked like the character, and. It, America was finally starting to get away from being terrified by Japanese looking stuff. Yeah. So that was when that first started. I love the simplicity of the Final Fantasy VII box art. I've always enjoyed the Final Fantasy VII box art. I've always enjoyed the box art. Mario RPG is obviously one of my favorite games. Oh, I, love yeah. the, I love that. The Yoshi's Island has incredible box art. Actually, I mean, I, I'll, pop, I'll pop it out. I mean, just it's, so it's good. It's a great one. I the think big blue guy. I don't know if you agree. I think the NES and the SNES Ninja Turtle games, those were always good. Whether it was the arcade game, Manhattan, any of those Ninja Turtle games are great box yeah, art. That original Ninja Turtles box art where they all have the red bandanas is really good. Is really good. It's right off the Eastman and Larid pages. It looks like it's a cover from one of those comic books. But box art was so was so necessary. Well, this it's was so one important. of the, this is like if you're talking Hall of Fame box art, Doom 2 has to be in the 10, 15, 20 best or most known, just that that shot. Yeah, no, Doom, Doom 2 is up there. Doom and Doom 2 have incredible box art. And yeah. 
I miss the days of going into a store and seeing giant, like going into like a CompUSA or whatever those stores were back in the day and seeing a giant, the, the section of games with the giant box, whether it was Mist yep. or Doom 2. SimCity had a big Sims, one that you remembered yeah, back in the Sim day, City. 2000. And that's, that's, that's like what made Earthbound stand out, right? The original Earthbound because the box was so big. It felt it was like they purposely did that because they essentially had to give you a strategy guide with the game. But it felt like part of the experience that when you were spending $50 or $60 on a game, the box, the manual, all these different things, sometimes you got posters inside. It felt like it was part of the experience. And I think this Doom 2 box with the embossed, no Roman numerals, it was like making a statement. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's a, there's a function to that, right? Because there are so many PC games coming out. So you have to stand out somehow, right? And the best thing about id is not only they're incredible in terms of John Carmack and John Romero were incredible designers and they were incredible game builders and they were incredible. They were essentially scientists. They were breaking what made video games work and how they worked. The stuff they did was thought impossible on PC. We said this in the Doom episode, but we got to Doom because id wanted to prove that they could do scrolling on a PC. I suggest everyone, if you're interested in the history of Doom and Car id Software and Carmack and Romero, I, I, I suggest you read the book Masters of Doom. It's about id Software and it is an incredible read. It is so very good. I learned so much about game design by, by reading this book. But they were pretty much challenging themselves. And so they made Super Mario Brothers 3 on PC and sent it to Nintendo and kind of got like a, hey, don't do this. And then they made Commander Keen. But that that technology and that functionality on PC would eventually get shifted into making Doom and Doom 2 work. So it was so far ahead of the curve in terms of technology on what you could do in gaming on the PC Doom 2 was kind of like, at the time, like the magnum opus of that era for what PC games could do and where PC games were going to go. So Carmack and Romero and Dave Taylor and those guys, they they deserve all of the praise they get. Obviously, Matt, you and I talked about this before we went live here, but you know the designers on it, Romero obviously is the designer, Carmack's more of the programmer. Yep. But American McGee, this was like the first thing he worked on where if I'm not super familiar with like all of his work, but he worked with id for a while when he was very young and he would go on to make American McGee's Alice, which has kind of become like its own little cult phenomenon. Did he also take part in the, the black and white series or am I making that? Is that different? No, I think black and white is, I feel like black and white's the guy who does fable. Is that Peter Molyneux? You might be right. I can, I can fact check that, but yeah, the art, the, the vibe, I think, as you were saying earlier, the feel of Alice, you can kind of see the the roots of that here in Doom 2, some of the character well, designs. Yeah. And like, it's weird because Doom 2 exists in a space that is quote unquote mature, mm -hmm. but it's not, right? Doom 2 is mature in the sense of 15 and 16 year old kids talking about horror movies and and like and stuff like that and talking about things that like there's an immaturity to doom yeah with his with this grotesque violence it's very 1990s well i would doom say this is very much a caps encapsulation of what the 90s were about because of the overtop ridiculous and almost cartoon nature of some of this i think this is more appropriate and again parent the way you want i think this is more appropriate than a Call of Duty per se, 
And that's more realistic and probably less graphic or violent. But I think this is more appropriate just because it's so ridiculous and so over the top. Absolutely. I like that, that it's not as serious. I like that it is a little lacking of maturity. Realistic shooters kind of creep me out. There's something about it. It's like I don't take joy in going out and kind of like killing people that look realistic. I think that's that's a little too a little too real. Yeah, I um, feel like the only way we get around that is when it's Nazis. I feel like besides that, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, kill as many Nazis as you want. Like, like that's perfectly fine. No one's ever going to disagree with you on that one. And I think that's why the new Wolfenstein games work. They're going back to that because, again. Yeah, yeah. You're just killing Nazis and and good. But I think one of the real cool things that that drove this game up to eleven, Mike, you said it. The super shotgun, that dual barrel shotgun, you pump action. It feels explosive. Was a great addition. And then you still have everything else back: the chainsaw, the chain shooting gun, that like a kind of machine gun type, the BFG. You got everything else back, but. All it really needed was one more weapon, and it still gave it that electricity, that lightning, that everything you need to make this game feel explosive. Yeah, I mean, the the, the double barrel shotgun, the super shotgun feels really good. It feels really good. And while Doom shotgun is legendary, I feel like it's the super shotguns, the one that people really remember. And it's there's something about it. There's something just that heavy metal kind of album art. It's very 1990s. And Doom pushes the envelope up into right being just shy of something that's kind of full-on ridiculous like duke nukem right? right which is like i don't care i do not want to play duke nukem that does not appeal to me but doom does yeah it's nothing because, like you said it's not serious but it's slightly more serious than duke nukem that doesn't almost it's almost a joke of itself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like duke nukem is clearly taking shots at the games like like doom right by like being like so incredibly over the top to to kind of like a humorous degree, whereas Doom just like it gets right up, it pulls right up next to being like <laughs> too edgy for its own good and, and still delivers an incredible experience. Doom and Doom 2 are fantastic games. Yeah, absolutely. You said it before, no real advancements in any of the mechanics or the graphics. You find a key card, you get to a boss, you hit a switch, then you get a splash screen, I love seeing your kill percentage at the end of each level, how many secrets you found, and then showing another splash screen next level. And there's something just, again, simple. Simple about that formula, simple about the way the levels work. Yeah. You can still explore, but you can play it very linear if you want. Yeah, There was something really nice about the way the game was designed. I think so. I think it's it's designed as perfectly as you possibly can for what it is. Nothing feels like it's too long. A game like this with very, very long stages, like these stages are bigger than they are in Doom. Mm -hmm. But a game like this, if the stages are too big, I think it starts to get exhausting. Yeah. No, there's a good there's a good balance to that. Yeah, there's which an I think they do a good yep. tightness to it. Sorry. A little bit of a breeziness. Yeah. Also, Mike, that I think is always fun commenting, and I don't know if this is the first game to do it, and it still exists today, is the naming of difficulty levels. Favorite. I love it. And modern games have called you a baby or a wimp in some games. I love here where it starts with, I'm too young to die. <laughs> hey, not too rough. Hurt me plenty. <laughs> Ultra violence and nightmare. And I just love the naming, rather than calling it easy, medium, hard. And I don't know if this is the first game to do it, Mike. Hundreds oh. and hundreds of games have done it since thousands. But uh, I just I'm love the entertainment to that. 
I'm 100% sure that this started, I think with, so too, with Wolfenstein. Yeah, they started I think the, it. I think the original, well, it is clearly the company it, that yes. did it first. But I'm pretty sure that Wolfenstein, I'm pretty sure the difficulty levels in like the first Wolfenstein was like, can I play two days? Yes. There's like, I think he's on like a logo of a baby they use in sometimes where they got like <laughs> yeah. a pacifier. And I love yeah. that. And I have no problem picking easy and feeling like a wimp because of that. But I just love the naming of difficulty levels. I think now they call it story difficulty, like story mode. Yeah. And you just yeah. want to like, breeze through it. But I do love the naming of difficulty levels. This game does have expansions. The original version of Doom 2 didn't have the master levels, the final Doom and all that. So there is now you can get when you get this game now, it comes complete. Yeah, which is good. I, when I bought it for $5 on, <laughs> on Steam, it came with everything. You got everything there for oh. five bucks. Well, they yeah. put a good amount of marketing budget into this the first time. Their advertising budget, several million dollars, which this game, Doom 2, was a big deal back when it came out. Mike, you would go around. You'd see it in ads. You'd see it in different places. You'd see it online and websites. And it was, you said it, it was everywhere. It Their yeah. initial run in 1994, they sold 600,000 copies in a month. They sold out. This Pretty game good. was on fire. And went on to sell almost 2 million copies, made $17 million. So wow, it worked. Putting the name out there, advertising to this day. I think we've talked about recent games that have failed that haven't done as well. I think when you get your word of mouth out, that's one thing. But doing proper marketing and advertising leading up to a release, it worked in 94. It still works today. And have a giant box with embossed letters on it. <laughs> Stuff like that that really makes things stand out. If you're, if you're, if you're like 15 or 16... And you're walking through a computer game store or a computer store and you're looking at the games and you're looking at all this stuff and then you see doom it's like oh yeah, yeah. like the 15 year old in me right now is like yeah well, we were, to... you and me weren't even 10 when this game came out and no, i was playing dude. this game i was probably 11 or 12 years old when i played this yeah it yeah, was cool this was, this was in the mortal Kombat zone <laughs> uh, at that point in time parents were terrified that doom would be the game that made their kids go out into the woods and worship Satan. Whereas 10 years earlier, right? 10 or 15 years earlier, it was it was Dungeons and Dragons and and heavy metal and comic books were going to do it. And then the nineties rolled around, it was Beavis and Butthead and and Doom that were going to make their kids And I don't understand why, because in the 80s you had stuff that was weird and funky like Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice and stuff like that. So it's like, why can't we go a little dark and satanic satanic here? Hey, man, I love Beetlejuice. That movie rules. So you're never going to get an argument from me. But yeah, no, man, these these games are, they're really good. And yeah. I'm not even a shooter guy. I'm not really no, even a shooter guy. No, me neither. I would never label myself that. Now, this game did bring back multiplayer deathmatch, and, and it was a little better. The dialogue yeah, system, yeah, yeah, yeah. they tweaked some things out. This game brought on, we've talked about mods and total conversions. There were some really silly mods for, for Doom 2, Mike. Oh, that's the point, right? That became that became like the joy of Doom and Doom 2. We're like modded up, modded up, make full games. And there were out tons of the engine. And then not only that, the cheats, typing yeah. in oh, ID yeah. clip and all these different things yeah. to just go through the level, get full ammo, get full armor, be invincible. That was the fun of some of this stuff. I don't know if it was Doom or Doom 2, but I, I might have talked about this on the Doom, the Doom episode we did, but 
I remember a kid in my elementary school had like a code where the the Doom guy's face would be replaced with Barney, which was pretty good. It's great. And like you would see like Barney slowly like get beat up as you were losing life. It's um, great. That's awesome. That's what that's yeah. what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Out of our mods. Now, now the Doom guy really does look like the guy from Wolfenstein. I'm not sure if in the original Wolfenstein 3D it's Billy Blaskowitz. I know that's what the character's named in the new Wolfenstein games. But and the um, guy on the box also, I don't even know if that's supposed to be the Doom Slayer or the Doom guy. He's got like this weird haircut, like sharp triangles down the side. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Is that just a like, generic army guy or is that the, the, who you're playing as? I don't know. It does not really look like the main guy, the Doom guy without his helmet. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know either. But this game, <laughs> like Doom 1, it's dialed up to 11 twice the amount of enemy designs i mean more different boss styles this game had everything and you should try it like mike said five bucks on steam you can regularly find it on the switch playstation xbox inexpensive and a lot of fun yeah yeah that's what this game's about fun mike and if you like doom and doom 2 and doom 3 is good too it's different doom 3 is really different i highly suggest playing doom 2016 and doom eternal because those games are the modern version of exactly what Doom was trying to do. And those games know exactly what they are. So nothing feels better than playing Doom Eternal and getting a melee kill on a on a on a demon. It is so good. Doom Eternal is like really good. Like that's a really good game. And a few I'm games have been reinvented and brought back their franchise as well and as faithful as the Doom series. Yeah, I'd agree to that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So we will pour one out for Doom as it joins our Hall of Fame. We're very excited. Doom 2 joins its predecessor. I don't know if we'll be doing much more Doom talking as of yet, but 2016 and Eternal have a shot. Those games are real good. I, I, I think we should definitely talk about both of those games. I did not have any interest in playing Doom or Doom Eternal, Doom 2016 or Doom Eternal, because it's like, I'm not really a shooter guy. I really liked the first couple of Doom games when I was younger. I don't think it would appeal to me. Yep. It was like, it was on sale on Steam. I had just got a new computer and I'm like, might as well play like a big game out right now. Doom won't be that big of an investment. And I hopped in and I started playing and I shot something and I punched it in the face and I broke its neck. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I get this. I get why this is so good. It's like playing, it's like a cathartic therapeutic moment playing Doom and Doom Eternal. And I've I've been very hot in those games ever since they came out. I think that everyone should give it a shot. If you're looking for, if you're sick of first-person shooters that are just like hyper-realistic and stuck to some sort of online multiplayer, Doom and Doom Eternal are the perfect antidote to what's going on right now with first-person shooters and video games because they are so very much clearly in the same mindset of when they made the original games. Yeah, they're very much their own thing. I, I'd be hard-pressed to find another first-person shooter that feels anything like the Doom series. Nope. Nope. You know, right. It just goes in guns a-blazing, explosions. They, it kind of has a feel, a vibe, a color to it, a lot of reds and oranges. It's a bounce. Yeah, there's a bounce. And you really don't get that. And I'm not knocking other first-person shooters, but these these are very unique in their own plane. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree completely. So Doom 2, we're happy to talk about it. It's only 30 years older than the games we've been talking about, like Tears of the Kingdom. But I'm happy to join our Hall of Fame. Mike, that's another one for us, episode 133. Look at Thank us. You. Thank you. As we 
are getting closer to finishing our third year doing this. It's wow. one and a half plus years. Mike, thank you. Where can people out there find you? Sure. You can find me here on pretty much every episode of the Hall of Fame video game podcast with, with Matt. Matt does an incredible job. Uh, you can also find me with my band, Bad Mary. You can find us at badmary.com. You search us out, Bad Mary Band, all over the internet. We have some pretty big shows coming up, so those will be put out on the internet soon. We're also, you can find me with my other podcast, Batman Tastic Cast. You can search us out at Batman Tastic Cast. Just search us out. We are we talk about Batman stuff. You can find me at Long Island Retro Gaming. I host their podcast as well as do some videos. You can go to LI Retro or Long Island Retro Gaming.com. Our expo is August 11th through the 13th, 2023 at the Cradle of Aviation Museum on Long Island. If you are not local, I highly suggest maybe coming out for the weekend. If you are local, mark your calendar now. It is Matt. Matt, I know Matt will will give me a a a wonderful review because I see Matt every year at the convention for the, the expo rather for I will move maybe like heaven and yeah. earth to be there. <laughs> I will clear the calendar. Any vacations, any nope, not me and, those days. Me and Matt were talking a few weeks off mic. If you want to leave this in there, I remember you you said you had like a moment where you're like, wait a second, am I on vacation that weekend? I have to move it. <laughs> Plans move. When Mike was talking about this in January, I'm like, I'm gonna forget and I'm gonna plan something stupid that weekend. But I'm happy to say it's it's we're six weeks away, which is great. Yeah, I know. It's really, really close, which has me panicking because that means I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> but that being said, Matt always, Matt usually comes. Usually, I think the last couple of times you've been there, you've been there with Bill, uh, yeah. Bill Burns, friend of the show and uh, sometimes guest guest host on the show. I see you guys for all of like 10 minutes because I'm working, but you guys are like, this is great, but there's 8 million other things I need to see. I mean, so, how often do I get to see Legend of Zelda on CDI? Which just... I never... Never. That's why it's so and cool. I probably don't ever want to see it, but it's cool to see as far as an artifact goes. I will go out on the limb and say that Hotel Mario is a decent game. It's decent. It's like arcade okay. Like it is the worst of the Mario games. Like <laughs> way worse than Sunshine, way worse than Mario Brothers 2, but still comparatively, it's a it's an okay game. The Zelda games on CDI are horrifically bad. Yeah, that's a, that's some pretty bad stuff. But it's it's an amazing time. If anyone out there is in the area or can get to the, the event, it's really a great weekend. Yeah, it's a fantastic time. So so Mike's got his band. Mike's got the retro gaming event coming up with Long Island Retro. A lot of really cool stuff. And don't forget his Batman, the, the, the Batman, Batman animated Tastic series. Yeah, yeah. Matt, awesome. I have to talk to you. We got to have you on soon. I, hey. I have some ideas. Sounds great. Guys, thank you as always for tuning in. Our growing audience is awesome. Please leave us a review. It's so helpful. So please do that if you can. And check out the back catalog. Some episodes have got more listens than others. Check out the ones you haven't. Me and Mike go off on tangents sometimes. Sometimes you might yeah. tune in to hear about a game X, Y, or Z, and we'll talk about who knows what. It just <laughs> depends on which me you get that day and how <laughs> agitated I am about whatever we're talking about. So... It could be pink-haired Link, but you never know. It could be. That's still still but, a sticking point. But, but we need to end this podcast because I have to go back <laughs> to Tears of the Kingdom. So thank you guys as always. Play all those video games, and we'll see you guys all next time. Later. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.